Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. You know, everything else changes every three days, but His Word never changes. Isn't that amazing? It's the same scripture that people have been standing on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It never changed. God doesn't change. He doesn't fail. And so we know, according to him, that when we go through tough seasons, whether it was, you know, this COVID season, oh my word, the whole world went through it. But a lot of us have been going through hard seasons anyway. A lot of us have had stuff prior to this or in the middle of this, health things, um, financial things, relationship things, life and death, stuff that has come and gone. And sometimes there's been a long season of the press. You know, believing for prodigal family members who have walked away from God, people who you're calling into the kingdom and there's, right now it's looking worse before it gets better. Like there's times when it's just hard. And we know, according to the word, let me give you a couple of the key ones here. 2 Corinthians 4.17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What is the point? It's working for us. God is doing something. We know that if we are in Christ, that when we're going through hard times, there can be a benefit. That God can actually use, and he does use, difficult seasons to bring out the very best in us, to bring out his nature in us, to bring out and refine what needs to be refined. Some of us would prefer that it didn't happen that way. Tough. Um, <laughs> apparently, that's how it works. Uh, we know that anytime there's a repeated theme in the word of God, that is, that is the actual design. So we can't change it. We can't wish it away. We need to submit to it. So 1 Peter 5.10, may the God of grace who called us uh, to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, yeah. <laughs> would be great if there was like in brackets, you know, three to six months or, you know, how long is a little while? How long are we talking about, Peter? But anyway, after you have suffered for a little while, we know something's going to sh shift, uh, per May that God, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. The, the purpose as we're walking through this suffering for a little while is that we would be perfected, established, strengthened, and settled. The point is when there's the hard times, when there's the stuff that we're walking through, we can't get bogged down in it. We have to know that if God is in it, if God is leading us through it, if God is guiding us through, there's going to be an outcome that is favorable here. Uh, Psalm 35 says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy is what we're after. Romans 5, 3 and 4, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces, anybody remember? Perseverance and perseverance, character and character. All these words, man, you're looking for that in, a, in like a mate, but man, it's, meh. Mm. we glory in tribulations because they produce perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. The hope is what we're after. And so sometimes we go through these hard times that lead us to the hope that we need, the anchor that we need. But today we are talking about escaping the in-between. 
escaping the in-between because there's this comma in all of these verses. There's a, there's a comma or there's an and or there's a but. There's an in-between that is between the hard stuff and the outcome. And the in-between, it's like seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. There's always something between the there and the coming and what it is God's walking us into. And sometimes we can get caught in the in-between. And the in-between is this place where we land and it's just stuck. It's not where we were, but it's not where we want to be. And it's just that we kind of lack the strength to press through. Anybody been feeling just a little bit tired lately? Like as, as life has been, it's like, okay, we can see the finish line. We can see some shifts. Do you know the, the, the things of God, the timetable of God does not depend on when the government decides that things are open. It doesn't. There's, there's a follow along of what happens in the natural that matches what's happening in the spirit. But the things of God have their own timetable. He has his own timetable. And so as we've been following along, there's been this inner turmoil of God is starting to nudge us towards the, it's, it's the last days. It's the he wants to move. It's the signs, wonders, and miracles. It's the this is the day of salvation. It's this is the time of breakthrough. It's this is the time to step out and a whole lot of stop and put the brakes on that you're hearing from everywhere else. And so we reconcile that and we do this, this thing and the inside and the outside are pushing and pulling. And honestly, most of us, if we sit still for any length of time, just fall asleep. Anybody had random naps in random places lately? Yeah, it's embarrassing. The other night, we, we actually, I'll tell on us, but we're like, we're like, Thursday night, the Pregnancy Care Center did a drive-in movie. Did anybody go to it? Okay, I don't feel as bad now. Um, <laughs> anyway, drive-in movie, it was going to be 22 degrees, sunny night. We're like, oh, we could take the top down on the Jeep, fold this, the windshield down. It's perfect for a drive-in movie. I checked the thing, and it's like, starts at 1035. <laughs> starts at 10 35 <laughs> I mean by the time the movie ends it's gonna be like 12 35 and by the time we get out of the parking lot it's gonna be like one who's got time for that we were in bed before nine o'clock that night we were so tired I'm like wow I'm well this is like send a donation but <laughs> we're we're just tired well like I'm just saying we're with you on this we're just tired and why because the mind is adapting to all this stuff and so we have to make sure that we're not getting caught in the in-between. So I want to walk us through this because this um, Joshua chapter 1, anybody who's, you know, on our staff or on our leadership team or, you know, anywhere, you've been hearing me say this on repeat, but I felt like the Lord say it is time to go in and possess. I am way too tired for that. You know, what, what does that mean? It's time to go in and possess. So God is positioning us. But in Joshua chapter 1, we find quite a few things that lead us to understand how it happens. And so we know that the story of uh, Joshua, maybe you're new to the word of God, but, but basically how this works is when Israel was delivered from Egypt, they were led out to go into the promised land. And th this land was a place of fruitfulness. It was a place of milk and honey, abundance. They they were going to be led into a place of freedom and liberty and more than enough, you know, just expanding and extending. And as they moved out, they came into a place of fear and unbelief. What should have taken days, maybe weeks, ended up God left them in the desert for 40 years for a change of attitude. 
Those who were stuck died in the wilderness. And now comes Joshua's generation and Joshua is about to go in. And so I believe in, in like ways, there's probably things that have been designated for the church to, to lay hold of all along. But this is the generation that's actually going to possess it. That there's been lessons learned and things developed over time that, that along the way we can learn from what's been done in the past, but we hang on to the promise that is yet ahead of us. And so we have to press in, but we have to understand that in this book, you know, when you read Joshua chapter one, you, you would think that Joshua, after 40 years of sitting, there's only two guys, Joshua and Caleb, were the only ones that were left from the previous generation to go in and take the land. You would think that when God says, okay, now it's time, it'd be like, yes. And yet God has to tell Joshua several things in order to get the engine started. What happens is when we're in the between, sometimes we've been in this long period of standing in faith and God's been doing stuff in us and it's great and he's been refining us and he's been healing up some stuff, but we're just stuck in the wait. And so, you know, sometimes you hear like, yay, the, the gates are open. You can run in and do what? You know, like we've, we've almost forgotten what it is we were after in the first place. There's some stuff that goes a little bit dormant. I, I, I know that like I, I was um, noticing, what, where were we watching the other day that there was something on TV and there was a crowd of people and we were like looking at the TV and it's like, oh yes, it was a... Uh, an auction, yes. Dr. Pohl, anybody like the vet stories? Dr. Pohl was at the county fair at the auction. So we're looking at this like crowd of people and we're like, that just looks so weird. And yet, and yet, I've got a vision in my heart of this place being packed to the gills. I really do. But for the longest time, I'm just happy to see a few seats filled. You know, we've gone through, just three weeks ago, there were eight people sitting out here. Eight people. So we have to be reminded and we have to stir ourselves up to dream the dream again, to step out in it, to move forward. And so one of these things, this, this um, verse in Romans uh, 5, 3, and 4, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. These are the things that Jonathan just talked about, what's been developed in us, an authentic faith, a real passion for his presence, a real passion for the word. There's been something developed in us that we can go after. But then it says the ultimate goal here is hope. So I want to give us four um, concepts, four things that we need to hang on to or stir up in order to step across this in-between, that we don't get caught we don't get caught in just, I want comfort, I want, to be, I want things to be easier than they've been, but actually laying hold of the promise. And I believe it's a bit of a process, but here's the first thing. We need to be anchored in hope. We have to anchor ourselves in hope. So when, when it's just a relief to stop struggling for a while, we on purpose then take a moment and anchor ourselves in hope. The interesting thing about hope is that it's ahead of us. It's something that is, it, it is out there. A lot of us have gone through this past season and maybe it's longer than, you know, the world has been through a, a year and a half of COVID broken hope. But a lot of people you've been maybe waiting for a miracle. You're dealing with health issues. You're dealing with marriage issues. You're dealing with financial issues. And it's been longer than that. Sometimes we need to pause and just make sure that we are anchored in hope. Hope is something that we decide to partake with. 
It's not something that just happens naturally. It's something that we decide to grab onto. Hope means, Bible hope is an earnest expectation of good. So we talked about this a lot this past year. An earnest expectation of good. Do you expect that what's ahead of you is good? I mean, let's be real. Some of us really struggle with that answer. Do I expect, do I have an earnest expectation of good? Or have I been disappointed so many times and I've been, it's been delayed so many times that I actually, I'm scared to hope. I don't want to get my hopes up. I'm struggling with hope. You know, lots of us are in that place. It's conscious decision to anchor ourselves in hope and it's necessary. I was thinking about, um, I should just bring a picture of Walter sometime. If you're not on Facebook, you wouldn't know how pathetically often I post pictures of Walter. But Walter is really present in our lives in all ways. He's a 120-pound Labradoodle who was supposed to be 60 pounds and um, thinks he's a lap dog, is very, very present. Yesterday, I was weeding the garden and he like laid down beside me and launched me onto my knees and I'm like stuck on the ground. I can't get up because this dog's like laying on me. Anyway, Walter has this thing where um, with, like he loves to play fetch, but unless he actually sees you throw the ball, he can't find it. He can't sniff it out at all. Apparently, both labs and poodles are supposed to be hunting dogs, but I don't think he's got any of that in him at all. So unless he sees you throw it, he has no expectation. So he'll sit there and look at you. And so we like fake throw it. We've already thrown the ball, but we'll like fake throw the ball so that he knows the general direction that it has been. He has no real expectation of finding the ball. However, if we are eating something, he watches. Plate to mouth, plate to mouth, plate to mouth. Drool starts running. It's this weird, gross thing. I don't know what happens. But he has an earnest expectation. Why? Because he learned a long time ago that he always gets the last bite. So he's waiting to see when the last bite happens. And he, he has an earnest expectation. What I'm saying is he keeps his eye on the prize, right? He doesn't really expect to be able to catch a ball. He knows he's not super sportsy. So he doesn't really give it that much attention. But he's very certain he's going to get a bite of food. And so the same kind of thing, our earnest expectation, our hope, we have to keep our eye on it or else we're really not going to find it. We're not going to trip upon good. We're not going to trip upon the things that God wants us to have. We have to keep our eye on it. But so often when we go through these extended periods of time, we don't even know what to look at anymore. So our eyes have drifted and maybe God is doing something, but we can't see it because we were distracted and we have to come back to that place where we're watching him. Our eyes are on him. The word tells us that he guides us with his eyes. And so hope is something that we hang on to with him. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance, the tangible matter of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So meaning what we hope for and what we're standing in faith for hasn't manifested yet, but it's a place in our heart. And faith is the actual thing that activates what's in our heart. So if we're not hoping for anything, faith has nothing to move upon. 
Are you with me? So we can say by faith, we're believing for God to do stuff. We're standing in faith. We're claiming the promises. We're believing for a move of the spirit. I 100% believe there's a massive move of God that we have just begun to tip into. And there is salvations. There's breakthroughs. There's miracles, signs and wonders. And we have just begun to step into it. We lay hold of it by faith. But if we don't hope that it's going to happen, faith has nothing to work off of. Are you with me? What is it in your life? God has given you promises. There's stuff that you are standing in faith for or you used to stand in faith for, but you've lost hope that it could ever happen. You don't stir up the faith, you stir up the hope. You, that has to be a key piece and then we work on the faith. And so hope is this necessary piece. <clears throat> Our faith is today, now faith. Our faith is today, even though we don't see it, it's anchored in the hope. But when we lose hope, our earnest expectation of good, we lose the ability to stand in faith. Psalm 27, 13 and 14, King David said, I would have lost heart or I would have lost hope unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And this is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is waiting on God. What is the point of that? There's so much involved in it. There's so much benefit to it. But one of the major things that happens when we're waiting on God, when we're entwining ourselves with him, is that hope begins to stir up again. We begin to have an expectation of good and faith then has something to operate off of. So we want to make sure that we are anchored in hope, not anchored in earthly hope, not anchored in man's wisdom, not anchored in, in natural ideas, but anchored in him anchored in hope. So number two then, embrace the absolute. And this is such an interesting thing. The absolute, in case you haven't noticed, is only God. Everything else is subject to change. Unbelievably, the stuff that you thought would never change, it has changed. And so God is the only absolute. Psalm 42, five, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Why are you cast down within me? In other words, why did you lose heart? I'm going to focus on my hope in God. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Yeah. I, I can hang on to hope, not because I, I necessarily get or have a mental picture of what it is I'm hoping for. I trust the one who promised. I'm anchored on him. I'm focused on him. I've got to have a solid place that I am, am hanging on to. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He is absolute. Every good gift comes from him. Every perfect gift comes from him. If I know that that's who he is and I can anchor on to him, I can, I can allow my hope to be founded in him. I'm embracing the absolute. I am not subject to being blown about by every wind that comes. I'm not subject to every shifting thing. And here's the interesting thing. There's, a, there's been a lot of talk lately, and I think it's very real, um, uh, the crisis of mental health that we're dealing with. 
It's a huge, huge issue. And so, um, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists are studying this. Mental health experts are studying this. I am not a mental health expert. But here's one of the things that I have found is that we have this natural um, self-preserving thing that shows up in the face of uncertainty. Uncertainty is actually this dangerous thing. Our brains produce uh, an understanding or a feeling of uncertainty it, when they don't under, our brains doesn't understand what might possibly happen. There's like possible outcomes and I don't know what any of them are. I don't know what's going to happen. And so our brain has been designed by God to give us, you know, possible responses for our own safety, for our own life. Um, so what happens is I'm just going to give you a reading from uh, Dr. O'Donovan from the University of California. He says, uncertainty means ambiguity which means that we have to ex expend effort trying to predict what will happen in addition to preparing to deal with the different outcomes. Uncertainty means the brain is trying to choose a course of action and it's a very close relative of anxiety. So your brain, when things are uncertain, it, it feels like anything could happen. It's everything's subject to change. Everything's flexing. Everything's moving. Your brain goes into this place that's very close to anxiety that it's trying to solve. So for every, every situation in your life that is uncertain or it feels uncertain, your brain, what like the reason we feel so tired all the time is your brain is trying to come up with like five possible outcomes. And what will I do with each one of these if they happen? And so you're constantly, instead of just hanging on to an absolute, we're constantly having to work out solutions and possibilities and problem solve stuff that hasn't even happened yet or may not ever happen. And so we have this thing where, where our natural defensive mechanism is to self-protect in whatever those situations are. This might happen, here's how I'll self-protect. This might happen, here's how I'll self-protect. And so they've actually watched, you know, in um, animal tests, of course, I don't know when they do these mice tests, how close we actually think to mice. But anyway, mice in the, in, uh, the testing, when they're faced with a, the uncertainty, a mouse will actually starve to death rather than risk the, the possibility of being hurt to go after food. So they, if, it, if it feels uncertain, if it's a place that they haven't experienced before, there's, a, there's too much uncertainty, they will hold back and just exist even to the point of death, rather than exploring what is out there, and it could be their freedom, but they don't pursue it. And so here's the thing that happens with us is that we have this, when we go through extended periods of uncertainty, we will tend to freeze up and hang on to what it is we can control. I don't know what's out there. I don't know what's possible. I don't know what the outcome might be. And so I'm just going to stay here and hang on to it. You've all heard the phrase, a bird in hand is worth two in the bush right? So hang on to what I've got rather than risk going out there and, and maybe having more, but I can't control that. So that's a, that's a built-in psychological thing. The problem is God has designed us to move forward and to earnestly expect good. So if we default to a, a human and natural way of thinking and it's not attached to what is absolute, we start to lose it a little bit inside. So we can throw the gates wide open, but nobody goes after them. Nobody runs. Nobody moves. And so it's actually that we, we end up preferring to stay in a safe environment than to experience the extravagance of God. Safe is controllable. It's predictable. It actually is what leads us to complacency. So complacency is predictable safety. It's 
relative comfort. I might have a little, but it's predictable and it's constant. And so I'll stay there because it's safe. And I become neutral. So what happens if we have, you know, a move of God and God in, encourages us, invites us, draws us to go out and to, to share his love with the lost, to talk to our neighbors, to, to, to share the good news, to sow into things, to, to actually step out and take a missions trip, to do this stuff. What if he calls us to move and we're just comfortable? And we've been comfortable so long that we just stay there. In fact, this uh, psychologist said that we have to actually move away from the anxiety neurons. Um, he says, he suggests limiting exposure to the news. <laughs> Instead, prioritize behaviors that allow our anxious bodies to return to the baseline. He actually turn off the unpredictables and hang on to what is secure. Hang on to what is God. What we don't realize is that that place of safety that we drift into that's outside of... See, everything in God tends to increase, right? And increase means movement. It means growth. It means sowing. It means experimenting. It means going and doing. Most of us right now don't even care. We just want things to be semi-normal. What I'm saying today is I believe God's calling us into the way beyond normal. What we've experienced is nothing compared to how good he's got it planned for us ahead. Yeah. There's this uh, side effect that happens when we're running in this place of complacency that's actually led by fear, anxiety. It's tied together with this place of there's so many unknowns. I'm going to lean into what I can control. I'm living in fear. Um, there's an article that uh, Dr. Lisa Rankin wrote that says uh, it's 10 signs that fear is running your life. Four of them are these. You settle for less than your dreams. You numb yourself. You struggle to make decisions. And you procrastinate a lot. Anybody? Two, three, four of these. The rest, there's, the, I mean, I didn't give you all 10. There, there's just a lot that we drift into. The one that really caught my attention was you settle for less than your dreams. See, there's stuff that God has spoken over each one of us. There's things that he's planned for us. There's a passion that he has for us. There's a, a thing that you were designed to do and be. There's life experience that he has prepared for you. But when we go through these extended periods of pressure, we go through these extended things, we end up coming to this place where if it's all subject to change, we will settle for less than our dreams because it's good enough. I believe God is nudging us in this moment not to run out and go, you know, just do what, but begin to allow him to stir up the dream. What's the thing that I have settled for versus what's the thing that you put on my heart? Am I numbing myself instead of feeling? Are my feelings scaring me? Is the emotion, some of us right now, you, you actually just need to have an ugly cry. Get it out of your system and move on. You know, there's some, there's some emotion that has been bottled up, the struggle to make decisions, just start making small ones, begin to move again, begin to decide, procrastinate a lot, just do something, begin to not, don't do everything, but do something, begin to move. Yeah. Isaiah 61, one and two, one of our favorite scriptures around here, Jesus said it was about him, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And then this is one of the most interesting parts, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And they're two separate things. They sound the same, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. What happens is there's a difference between actually being liberated, you've been in bondage and now you're free, and some who have been made free but can't seem to get out of the prison. It's this second part. It's the, it's the liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. It's the Spirit of God coming to some of us in this season and saying, you know what? You're free to dream again. You're free to live again. You're free to believe again. You're free to step out in who I am. Hang on to what you, you, your faith is anchored in. Hang on to what your hope is anchored in. It's, it's God speaking to us. It's that declaration of the Spirit of God telling us that there is an open prison. Get out. Get out. Some of us just need to sit there and allow the Spirit of God to say that to us. It's time to move again. The door is open. I need to get out. You've been told a lot lately what you can't do. Allow God to tell you what you can do. The prison is open. Get out. John chapter 5 is the story of uh, Jesus healing the man at the pool of Bethesda who was there for a long time. He'd been crippled for a long time, years and years and years and years and years. And he was there waiting for a miracle. He was waiting for a move of God where, where that was the, the story where the, the waters would stir in the pool and whoever got in the pool first, you know, would be healed. Um, kind of a occultic sort of thing, but this, he was just believing for a miracle. And Jesus comes to him and he, he's got his heart is set out there to heal this man. But Jesus actually says to him in John 5, uh, 6 to 8, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been in that condition a long time, he'd already been in that condition a long time. He'd gotten used to normal. That wasn't really normal, but it was his new normal. When Jesus knew that he'd been there a long time, it's a setup. You understand, like this sentence here, when Jesus saw him there and he knew that he'd already been in there a long time, he'd been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? I think there's a lot of ways we can interpret that, but one of them is that Jesus needed him to stir up his expectation. Do you even want to be made well? Do I? Do you want to be made free? Do I? Do you want to go and do? Do you want to see the miracles? Do you want to see the signs and wonders? Do you want to experience more? I don't know. Do I? Or am I comfortable? Have I learned to live in this place of comfort? Am I that mouse that's sitting in the back that I don't know what's out there, so I'm just going to sit in my comfort, my less than, my dream is dead, my subpar, but I can control it, fear-induced, anxiety-detailed life. Do you want to be made well? Jesus isn't asking this like, a, like, a, like getting on him. He's not poking at him. He's stirring up. He's giving him the opportunity to say, yes, I do. I do. 
I actually do. You know what? I'm not okay hanging out like this anymore. I actually do want to experience more. I actually do want to know more. I actually do want to see and be and live. I actually want to live life and life abundant. Yes, I do. He's asking us this morning. We've been in this place so long of just enough. Some of us are just so happy to actually consider going and getting a coffee in a coffee shop with somebody. We'll settle for that when God's called you to the nations. You know what I'm saying? I, I think there's a moment right now where God is saying, do you actually want it? Do you want it? Do you want it? And he's not poking down at us. He's pulling us up. He's called, do you want it? Do you want to be made well? And he says this to this guy and he, and he answers him. And he says, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. In other words, this has been my experience. But yeah, I, I've had, it's been a rough go. But yeah. I do. Some of us have been hanging on so long. And honestly, things are starting to atrophy a little bit. And the Spirit of God is speaking not just to those that need to be made free, but to those who are still in bondage, even though the doors are open. The doors are open. Do you want to be well? And he's calling us out. He's calling us into the light. And we have to choose this. We have to decide. We have to stir up the hope. Number three then. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Again, I'm not saying this is all going to happen today. I'm saying that we have to understand that there is a temptation in the natural makeup of mankind to stay in the safe zone. But the spirit of God calls us out to the deep. He calls us out to walk with him into those places that we could never imagine going on our own. The unknown, but the supernaturally wonderful. So if we go back to Joshua, and we're going to stick here for just a bit. Joshua chapter 1. And we know, again, that God started off with the good stuff. He says in verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And then verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all, uh, to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it like God actually had to pep talk Joshua three times in this brief passage the truth is in Deuteronomy we know the final words of Moses to Joshua was he also said you're going to need to be strong and of good courage but God speaks to Joshua 
directly. And three times in this tiny bit of space, he tells him, you're going to have to be strong and have good courage. It's so interesting because you would think Joshua has been waiting, 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 waiting. Year after year after year, decade after decade after decade, you would think God wouldn't even have to say anything other than Moses is dead, let's go. But no, the natural instinct on the inside of Joshua obviously is not courageous and obviously not very brave. I would say Joshua had leveled into a place of, I don't even know if I can get my hopes up again, but God starts off with, he says, I'm going to be with you. And the things that I promised Moses, I'm giving you, he's telling him, you need to, you need to hope again. You need to get your anchor hope again. He says, I'm going to be with you. You're not going to go a single space that I don't go with you. In other words, trust the absolute, right? Anchor into that absolute. And then he says, be strong and courageous. I love what Nelson Mandela says. He said that I've learned that courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. It's not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. Be strong and very courageous. The, the very phrasing of it, be strong and very courageous. Be strong. In other words, you choose. He doesn't say take strength, get courage receive it. He says, choose it, be it, be strong, be very courageous, be these things. What's very interesting is that the actual words of Joshua, we know 40 years, give or take earlier, numbers 14, seven to nine is Joshua speaking. Joshua was one of the 12 spies that went in to see this promised land. He saw it and he said it was good. He went in, him and Caleb, they were like, it is awesome. Yes, there are giants. Yes, there's big obstacles, but it is amazing. The, uh, the other 10 spies, you know, the story came back and they were like, it is not good. They will eat us for lunch. Like they, they, are, they are very much too big for us. But here's the actual words that Joshua and Caleb spoke. Numbers 14, seven and nine. The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with them. Do not fear them. This is what Joshua said. This is, this is what came out of his spirit. Man, they, we have nothing to fear. Let's do this. God is with us. Let's go. He waits for 40 years in the press, in the in-between. And on the other side of it, God has to say the same thing to him. Isn't that shocking? 40 years of the in-between kind of sucked the courage right out of him. He wasn't a young man anymore. He wasn't feeling the same fire. He'd done 40 years of hard time with these stubborn people. 40 years of walking them through the ongoing battles and issues and complaints and whining and trying to teach them who God was, trying to lead them through this place, literally waiting for a certain group of people to die off. Like it was a weird 40 years. And now he's, he doesn't even sound like the same person. But God comes to him and calls him back to his real identity. Calls him back to the real dream. Calls him back to the passion. Calls him back to the purpose. And says to him the same things. Choose to be strong. Choose to be courageous. Choose 
to focus on my word. Choose to meditate on it day and night. Choose to lock into the absolute. Choose to decide to do this. Come on, Joshua. You're going to have to choose to do this. Choose to do it. Some of us right now, I'm just telling you, I'm, this is not me. I 100% believe the Spirit of God is saying that we have some choices to make. We have to decide to be strong. We have to decide to be courageous. We have to decide to focus on the absolute. We have to decide that that's where we live, that that's what we're, God's word never changes. Only good things come from God. Every perfect gift comes from him. He does not change. There is no shadow of turning in him. If he promised it to us 20 years ago and we haven't seen a sign of it yet, it is still there. It is still available. We are still gonna press in. What's in our heart, what he's planted there, it might take time. There's an in-between, but I'm going to hang on to the absolute, and I am going to choose hope. I am going to be anchored in that hope. I'm going to live my life. I don't care how bad it looks around me. I don't care how awful things go. I don't care how upset the world looks. If God has promised something, I can hang on to him because he is absolute. I will choose to be strong. I will choose to take courage. I will choose to stir myself up. I will choose to go after it. I I am not going to get stuck in the in-between. I am not going to get stuck in the in-between. The word courage that is used here means to be alert physically and mentally. How about that? To be alert physically and mentally. Steadfastly minded, fortified, hardened, and to make strong. In other words, toughen up. Let's do this thing. Come on. God is calling us into action. If we want to see a move of his spirit, it means we're going to have to suck it up and move. We're going to have to actually pursue him. It means when we call prayer meetings, whether it's in your own home, we're doing prayer walks, prayer drives, we engage. We don't go, I'm not, I'm too tired. I don't really feel like it. We stir it up. We stir it up. We decide to partner with him. We decide to match with him. When he says, go to your neighbor and begin to share. When he says to love your kids in this way. When he says, love your spouse in this way. Practically speaking, he says to invest in this, sow into this, give into that. Partner with this. Do it. Stir. It's not about hanging on to the safe zone anymore. We have to decide to be strong and very courageous. Number four. We need to prepare to possess. Amen. We need to prepare to possess. And so going further here, verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourself, for within three days you will cross over the Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Go through the camp and tell people to prepare. And if I could say one thing, this is the sense that I have. You know, a lot of people are wondering, what are we going to do this summer? You know, if, if everything's open, are we going to do a lot of outreaches? What are we going to do? I don't believe it's time quite yet. I believe we are preparing to possess. I believe that this season right here, these next weeks and months, are about everybody getting their hearts right, me included, all of us, to begin to stir up that hope again.
It's that place where we begin to make sure that every decision that we're making is made based on the absolute and not on the stuff that changes, not on the uncertainties. That I, I am choosing courage. I am choosing to be strong. That you are choosing courage. That you are choosing to be strong. And that we are actually prepared to possess. Because what happens is when we go out after the things that God has for us, the, the, the basic subsistence that we've been living on changes. And we actually have to work for it. It means movement. It means actually engaging. It means doing the stuff. I was thinking the other night, I walked or drove past um, Thursday night when uh, youth ministry was meeting here. And I mean, Jane, they're in front of your house. It, it was a field of young people just awesomely engaging God and each other. And what I think is so cool is the amount of effort it takes to pull that off. The, the several young couples that are giving up their time to do that, to pour in hours upon hours upon hours. And the people, grandparents and, and family that are babysitting all of their kids to make sure that the, the people can go and lead so that the youth can come and the parents that actually connect their kids. It takes some work to pull off something. It takes some work to actually engage and to, to sow into to life, to actually possess what it is that God has for us. He says, go in and possess that which the Lord is giving you to possess. Prepare provisions for yourselves. Prepare means to stand erect, be established, and be fitted out. Provisions are simply the supplies. What's it going to take, God? I am willing to move forward. What's it going to take? What do I need to have ready? What do I need to be willing to engage? What do I need to be willing to sow? Time, money, resources, effort, whatever. What is it going to take? What I'm preparing myself to go forward. Interestingly enough, though, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, the, the crossover of manna to milk and honey. The promise is out there. The promise is on the other side, when God moves us into the inheritance, there is such great things that come from him. There's such abundance. But in order to shift there, we have to let go of the absolutes that we've uh, hung on to, or not the absolutes, the, um, the continuousness, the, 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 the basic subsistence and existence that has been there. Deuteronomy 29, 5, God says, and I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. God, God walked with Moses, and, and they just led people. I don't know how you keep that many people focused in one place for 40 years. But God said he wouldn't, he wouldn't allow them to do without, and so Moses continued to share that with them. You're, you're going to be fine. God's going to continue providing. And the manna showed up for them every single day. You remember the story. They could only collect enough for today. Could never plan ahead. All you get is today. This is the first time we see God say, prepare for three days. Three days from now, something's going to happen. I want you to start preparing today. Up until then, it's just been daily, 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 daily exist. Joshua 5, 11 and 12 once they cross over, it says, and they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Cana that year. So the basic survival stuff goes because the great stuff is ahead. That takes a conscious choice. 
bird in the hand, two in the bush, right? That, that uh, man, I know, I know the basics. God will provide the basics. I, I, I'm good with, I'm, I'm safe here. It's controlled here. God's asking us to choose to dream again. And when we move forward, it will take effort. I love what Kathleen Cathart says. Um, Hard work comes when the manna stops, but so does deeper blessings. Oh, I think I left something off there. So does deeper blessings, sweeter experiences, greater freedom, and all the fruit of the land that we could possibly eat. Hard work comes when the manna stops, but so does deeper blessings, sweeter experiences, greater freedom, and all the fruit of the land that we could possibly eat. The good stuff is on the other side of movement, but we have to decide to stir it up. Hebrews 10, 23 to 24 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. See, hold fast, stir up. Jude 1, 20 to 21 says, but you beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Building yourselves up, praying, keeping yourselves. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Stir up the gift. See, sometimes we feel like if, if it was of God, if God was calling us to, like, I mean, I'm talking, obviously we're all over the place here, right? I'm talking about a massive move of God in this church, in the churches of the city, in the city, in the province, in the nation. I believe that we are just on the tippy edge of it. We've begun to step into it. What does that mean? In order for us to see what God is putting on our hearts, what he's planted in the hearts of his people for generations, what has been prophesied over this nation, over this province, over this city for generations, it takes a people of God who are willing to go in and harvest. Lift up your eyes and see the harvest and pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. And then we all know that those he sends is us, right? So it's actually stirring ourselves up, but up close and personal. It's believing again for your businesses, for your finances, for your health, for your marriages, for your families, for your neighbors, for the places that God's put in front of you to more than just exist, but to be fruitful and multiply, to see blessing happen. And, and, and choosing to dream again, choosing to step out again, choosing to stir yourself up, choosing to believe for a personal move of God, choosing to believe that you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover, choosing to believe that you can introduce Jesus to somebody and they will say yes and their lives will be radically transformed, choosing to believe that you can pray for somebody to experience deliverance and the freedom of God will come rushing in and it's not going to take some special minister that comes in from somewhere to do the job but the, the spirit of God in you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's believing again, right? It's up close and personal, expecting God to be who he says he is and seeing it happen. But we choose that. 
we choose to engage it. We choose to believe for his provision. We choose to believe for his supply in all things. We choose to believe for a move of the spirit. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up again. And we're just going to close in a, in a place of praise. But would you stand with me this morning? I know, I know that this message applies to most of us in one area or another. You've been told no so many times that it's begun to adjust how we think. I've been told no so many times. Let me just tell you, I, straight up, it is, it is exhausting to navigate guidelines by the week and to change and adapt and to move and to shift. And essentially from a Moses perspective, it's like, man, if we can just get everybody like alive to the other side, that would be awesome. We're kind of just survival, man. We just need to survive this thing. But I am saying that the spirit of God is moving even on me to say it's time to go in and possess. It's time to go in and possess. We need to prepare to possess. The time of this in-between is ending. It's closing. The door is closing on this. I'm not saying everything has to change today. I'm saying we need to begin to apply the word of God. We need to choose to be anchored in hope. We need to choose the absolute and we let the rest go. Right? We have to choose to move into this place of expecting in him and choose to be strong and very courageous. We have to choose to prepare, to possess, choose to want it again. Some of us, even on an emotional level, maybe your marriage has just been the pits this year. Everybody's been in maximum stress mode and you, you don't even know if you could be in love. Stir it up. Believe for it again. You've had differences with your family members on your various interpretations of what can be done and shouldn't be done and, and whatnot. Families have been split apart in this season. Stir it up. Stir it up. You've had dreams for career, for business, for college, for investments, and it just feels like everything has fallen completely apart. You're just happy to have bread on the table. That's good. Contentment is good. But begin to stir it up. Begin to expect for more. Begin to expect for more. God, this morning, we thank you. We thank you for your proof to us, even in the life of Joshua. God, he knew he walked with you. He saw you walk with Moses. He experienced firsthand your presence. He heard your voice. But we know that even him, even after leading people 40 years with Moses and, 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 and knowing 40 years before he thought it was all possible and he had to wait and he had to wait and he had to wait. We know, God, that you stirred him up. That you came to him and you told him what to think and you told him how to act and you told him to, to know completely that you would never leave him. You would never forsake him. You would be with him always. God, I thank you that you say the same thing to us.
many have suffered much this year. And even in previous years, God, there's been much loss. There's been much waiting. But God, we thank you that this morning there is an anointing to move out of the in-between. There is a call to move out of the in-between. God, I thank you that you proclaim that freedom to the captives, God, but you also pro pro uh, proclaim and declare the opening of the prison to those that are bound. And God, today we thank you for the opening of the prison. We thank you, God, that you're opening pathways, you're opening gates, you're opening points of access for us once again. And Lord, those of us who have been, been in that holding pattern, God, I thank you that you're beginning to stir us up. You're beginning to, to remind us again of what we dreamed in the first place and what you've placed on our hearts and God today I just pray a grace over your people to step into this to begin to choose, to begin to focus our thoughts, focus our affections, focus our attentions on you and on what you say. God, we believe that we are about to experience you in brand new ways, God. You never change, but our experiences of you do. And so God, we thank you for the more than enough that is in front of us. God, I thank you for stirring us up and helping us to be stirred up on the inside. Any spirit of complacency, any spirit of self-protection, any spirit of fear even that has has uh, become grounded upon us in this season God we just shake that off in Jesus name we shake it off we release it God any extended fatigue any extended uh, a weariness God that has has attached itself God we just thank you for refreshing us and stirring us up on the inside God we thank you God that you wouldn't tell us to be courageous and strong if you didn't give us the capacity to do so so Lord, today, even by faith, some of us, we choose to be strong and very courageous. We choose it, God. We choose hope. We choose faith. We choose to step out. And Lord, I thank you that as we do this, you help us prepare to possess. God, we thank you for every chair in this building that's meant to be filled by somebody seeking you and meeting you. God, we thank you for the salvations that are coming, the healings that are coming, the breakthroughs that are coming. Lord, we thank you for causing it to take root in our hearts. We prepare to possess, Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Wow. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.